transitions are an inevitable part of life. It's that time when one leaves a phase of existence that can be good or bad, comfortable or uncomfortable, beautiful or ugly. The leaving itself can be gradual or abrupt, smooth or rough, pleasant or miserable. What we find on the other side is different from where we started, sometimes dramatically different. If I dare to look back over my own life, I can count several transitions including one in which I find myself that spans almost six decades, and it continues today. You see, sanctification is that process that we strive to complete, but never do in this lifetime. So, transitions take on a wide variety of characteristics, and even durations. The Word of God is filled with transitions. If one only spends time in the Epistle to the Hebrews, specifically the 11th chapter, one discovers multiple examples of biblical characters and their well-known transitions. Interestingly, Hebrews 11 identifies a common characteristic for each transition. Faith. It is this faith that participates in the migration in various ways. Take Abraham in verses 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going, by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Faith is the embrace of the promises of God that require each of us to move from phase to phase, even within faith itself. Abraham likely was quite content where he was in Ur of the Chaldeans. In fact, as we read in Genesis 11.31, Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of the Chaldeans, in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran, and settled there. 
it appears from my reading, as opposed to what I always thought, that leaving Ur was Terah's idea. God's prophecy and blessing to Abram came in Haran on the way to Canaan. Terah was God's special prophet, breaking Abram's bond with his homeland and bringing him to a place where the direct connection between God and Abram could be made. Nonetheless, Abram's departure from Ur was the beginning of his transition from Ur to Canaan. The transition was substantiated by God along the way. And we could spend the remainder of this message describing the transitions of Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. But our discussion of transition leads us to a pagan city in Western Asia, now Turkey, and first centers on an aside found in Luke's account of Paul's third missionary journey in Acts 18, 24-26. Now, a Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. We do not have a description of the details of Apollo's migration to Ephesus. We don't know specifically the timing of his move, other than he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus. The fact that he was acquainted only with the baptism of John tends to indicate that Apollos either was a disciple of John the Baptist or was taught by one of John's disciples. So, the Christian beginnings in Ephesus had a gap. But God would ensure the gap was filled. Apollo's mission was limited. Equipped with the knowledge he received as a disciple of John, he knew of the kingdom of God. He understood the necessity for repentance 
He believed that baptism was an important part of that repentance. But his target was the Jewish population of Ephesus exclusively. The missing key turned out to be the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, revealing the true identity of Jesus as Messiah. The gap had to be filled, but the manner in which this was done followed a circuitous route, beginning with a zealot Pharisee named Saul. The route moved with Saul along his own transition to becoming known as Paul and migrating to bringing the good news to the Gentiles. Along the way, churches were planted throughout the northern Mediterranean region. Finally, Paul encountered the pair who would provide the missing key to Apollos, as described in Acts 18, verses 1 through 3. After these things, he left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, and they were working, for by trade they were tent makers. Paul was led by the Spirit to Corinth. Aquila and Priscilla had migrated from Italy because of persecution. The three were joined together by a common profession. They traveled to Ephesus, as described in Acts 18, verses 26 through 28. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, that is, Apollos, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wanted to go across to Achaia, the brethren encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And when he had arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. All of this provides you with background leading to the establishment of the church in Ephesus. What follows includes the involvement of a remarkable array of characters in the spiritual transformation of an ancient pagan city. As we move on, we'll encounter Paul, Timothy, and John the Evangelist we will discover God's plan that centers on Ephesus, but targets you and me in the 21st century. For now, 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Oh,